Hi there, welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at southsidesbc.org, or you can go to our Facebook page. If you'd like to connect with us, you can send us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please go on to your podcast platform and leave us a positive review to help others find our content more easily. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Well, this morning uh, we are uh, beginning a new series that's going to be our Christmas series this year. And uh, yeah, Christmas is almost here, right? Um, in fact, it's practically here, a couple of weeks, and we're, we're in that season. Um, I've entitled this series, God's Big Crazy Family. And um, <clears throat> I don't know why I titled it that. Probably because, listen, we're kind of crazy sometimes, right? People look at us as crazy. Um, maybe some of us are crazy. Um, and listen, uh, the world would say we're crazy for loving Jesus, uh, but we think something else of that. Amen? Amen. We know in our uh, modern world today, surveys are showing that more and more young people, we think, think of family, more and more young people are foregoing having a family and raising children and instead opting for independence and a life of achievement instead. However, I believe that deep down, not only do people want a family, personally, I believe we all need a family. A famous study that we've uh, talked about in the past before, a famous study from years ago, followed hundreds of men who graduated from Harvard University between the years of 1939 and 1944 throughout their whole lives all the way into their 90s. The researchers wanted to know who flourished, who didn't, and why, really. Uh, What decisions did they make that contributed to one or the other? The lead scholar on the study for many years was the Harvard psychiatrist, George Vallant, who summarized the results in his book, Triumphs of Experience. And here's his summary, kind of uh, in its entirety, boiled down to a single phrase. He summed up uh, the, the study in this. He said, happiness is love. I think that's pretty telling. The current director of the study, psychiatrist Robert Waldinger, filled in the details. In a recent interview, he said that the subjects who reported having the happiest lives out of their study were those with strong family ties, close friendships, and even rich romantic lives. And the subjects who were most depressed and lonely late in life, not to mention more likely to be suffering from dementia, alcoholism, or other health problems, were the ones who had neglected their close relationships. You know what I believe this shows? I believe it simply shows that everybody needs a family of some sort. Whether we like it or not, whether it's exactly what we think it is, everybody needs a family to be part of a loving community bigger than themselves. The good news is, that God has made a wonderful provision for that for us. Amen? Because let's be honest, sometimes we mess that up, don't we? Sometimes we mess up our family. Sometimes maybe our, family, our families are not as great as we'd like for them to be. Right? 
Um, sometimes maybe relationships in our families have gotten strained. Sometimes um, it's just the reality that over time we lose loved ones. You know, as we, as we approach Christmas, Christmas carries with it the idea of family. You know, you think of family, you think of sitting around the fireplace or sitting around the dinner table and, and eating together. Let's be honest, let's just, that's not always a pleasant thought for everyone, right? It's not always a pleasant time for everyone. Friends, here's the deal. I want to share with you, if you don't already know, that if you don't have a family or if you're struggling in your family, guess what? You can and you do have a family here in the Lord. God's big old crazy family that you can be a part of. Now, that's what I want to share with you this morning, that Jesus came so that you can be part of his big old crazy family. So we're going to talk about that this morning. I believe we see that in our text today as we are going to discover four interrelated reasons. As we think about Christmas, we think about it, we celebrate Jesus' coming to earth. Why did Jesus come? Uh, we're going to talk about that today, and I want to just kind of start, and each one of these is kind of going to build on the other. Um, and most, a couple of these really are not intended to stand on their own. You could take them out of context by themselves. So they are inter, um, interrelated reasons why Jesus came. Let's take your outline this morning, number one. The first reason I believe we see in our text today is why Jesus came to earth is this. Friends, the Father sent the Son to earth so that he could bless us. The Father sent the Son to earth so that he could bless us. We're going to look at four short verses here in um, the first chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 3. And Paul wraps all of what we're going to talk about today in a doxology of praise to the Lord. Praising God for all he's done. Look at what he starts. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you theologians probably already know this, but the interesting part about this is we're only going to look at the first four verses here. Starting in verse 3, going all the way, I just want you to look for a minute, going all the way to verse 14 is one sentence in the Greek. Okay? Now, that wasn't in English. Some of you English teachers would say, you can't do that, right? <laughs> well, in Greek, you can. And Paul just began add, kept adding phrase upon phrase upon phrase, and one idea went to another, and so forth. Um, but it's all wrapped in um, this praise, this hymn of praise, if you will, to the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He continues on, who has blessed us. So we can bless God. Why? Because he's first blessed us. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, a couple of things I want us to just make note of here. First of all, who's blessed who? Us. He's talking here to believers. He's speaking specifically to the believers in Ephesus. By uh, extension, he's speaking to us as believers 2,000 years later uh, that God, we are to bless him because he's first blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Um, we could talk technically about exactly what that means and so forth. But, you know, I believe simply what it means is every spiritual blessing you could want or need is yours 
in Christ. Every spiritual blessing, every blessing from the Spirit of God, everything that God could give you as, as, as his child coming to know him as Lord and Savior, and I want you to notice that. We'll look at that here in just a minute. Um, it is yours and, and already is yours. It's not a, well, you're saved and this can be yours. Here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice that this is in the past tense. It says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing? So if you know Christ, if you're in Christ, if you trusted him as your savior, all of these things are yours. Salvation, acceptance, forgiveness, redemption, wisdom, life, uh, uh, eternity, citizenship in heaven, inheritance in Christ, even, even the blessings that we can have now we've talked about in the Advent candle, peace, love, hope, joy, all of these things that we think, we, we talk about, we say we pray for many of these things, but guess what? God has already given them to us. They are already in our arsenal of, uh, of, of blessings that we have. We just simply need to live in them. You know, many people say, well, I'm just looking for peace in my life. You know, I need, I want God to give me peace. He's already given you peace. Listen, as, as, as Brian said this morning, listen, when we have Christ in our heart, the peace of God, the joy of God is, is already been given to us. That, there's, there's nothing greater that can be given to us than that. Amen? And so that joy and that peace is, is already there. And so we can rest in that. And so what gives us access to these blessings? Look at the last two words of that verse. It said, what blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. So that when we're in Christ Jesus, when we've put our faith and trust in him as the son of God who came from heaven to earth to die on the cross to pay for our sins, we have all these blessings have already been given to us because God loves us, as we sang just a minute ago, and has blessed us. Amen? Let me ask all of you parents here. What parent doesn't want the best for their kids? You know, I tell my kids... Because I think sometimes, I think um, kids, especially when they get to be teenagers, they think the point of your life is to make their life miserable. <laughs> sometimes, right? Uh, fortunately, that's not often, but occasionally, I think they think that, that we're making, we're sitting back and making decisions, say, how can I make them just hate me today? But that's not it at all, amen? As parents, I've never made a decision in, in whether it's even disciplining my kid or instructing my kid or telling them something or not allowing them to do so. I've never made a decision that's not, I, in, with, not with the intention of their best interest at heart. Now, maybe I'm wrong about something, but that was my intention. And so, friend, in a similar type way, if, if we as parents know how to, how to, how to have our, our kids' best interest at heart, doesn't the father have our best interest at heart. Amen. Doesn't he love us and want to bless us? Um, you know, I, I don't understand the, the mindset, and we, but many people have it, that many people think that God is out to zap them. You know, that God's just sitting back and he's just waiting to, to, to catch them doing something wrong and say, you shouldn't have done that. I know you need to know. No, that's not it at all. Right? In fact, the scripture tells us that God doesn't want any to perish. Friends, God doesn't rejoice in, in, in punishment for the wicked at all. 
God wants us to repent and turn to him. Why? So that we can have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he wants for us. And so God wants to bless us. Why think, why did God send his son, second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ to earth? Friends, he sent him to bless us. So when you, when you celebrate Christmas this year, we think about that. Think about the whole reason God sent Jesus is to bless us. All we have to do is receive that blessing by believing and trusting in him. Amen? And then, and then live in that truth. Just simply live in that truth. Listen, when we know Christ, we already have the peace of God in our heart. When we know Christ, we already have his strength through his spirit living in us. When we know Christ, friends, we already have the joy of the Lord because we're saved. When we know Christ, we already are accepted and loved and forgiven and blessed. Look at this verse before we move to number two. Romans 8, 32 says this. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Remember that verse. Amen. God wants to bless you. God sent Jesus for that very reason. But friends, God not only sent Jesus to earth to bless you, God sent Jesus to the cross to bless you. Kind of leads us right into number two. The second reason why the Father sent Jesus to the earth, so that he could bless us, and so that he could make us holy and righteous before him. So that he could make us holy and righteous before him. Before we kind of get into this verse, it first takes an acknowledgement that we are not holy and righteous before him in and of ourselves. Amen? We are all sinners, and because we're sinners, we are separated from God by our sin. And the reality is there's nothing that I can do about that on my own because our righteousnesses, friends, are as filthy rags before God. So something must be done for us. Look at what verse 4 says, because verse 4 tells us. Verse 4 says, as it continues on, Paul writes, says, just as he, God, God the Father, chose us in him, Christ, before the foundation of the world. So, what did he do for us? He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, what does that mean? One of the very important phrases there is in him. In him. He chose us in him. Uh, as we think here about that doctrine of election, that doctrine that we, we maybe don't fully understand and we're not really even sure exactly what that means and, and it kind of, well, what, what exactly? If he chose son, didn't chose... Uh, here's what... Uh, I love what pastor and author and, and scholar Arthur Skevington Wood said about uh, election and, and, and uh, God's uh, predestination. He said this. He said, Before the foundations of the world were laid, God determined that all who believed on his son should be saved. Friends, God has already determined. He has chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Do we have to put our faith and trust in Christ as Savior and Lord? 
Absolutely. Has, does God know that? Has he chosen us from the foundations of the world? Absolutely, friends. He has chosen all those who would be in him. And look at what, it, what the verse continues on to say. That we should be, uh, it's, it's the, the, the present tense, the present infinitive of the verb to be. So it says here in the New King James that we should be, uh, but literally in some translations it's just simply translated that he's chose us to be holy, to be holy and without blame before him in love. So he chose us who are in Christ to be holy. Now let's pause there for just a minute. What does that word holy mean? We've talked about this a lot. It's the Greek word hagios. It means uh, to be separated, set apart from sin, and separated, set apart unto the Lord. Dedicated, consecrated unto him. So we think of that as sinless, but it literally, and, and that, that is um, probably a, a good understanding for us, but literally it means to be separate from sin and set apart unto the Lord. He says we are to be separate and set apart unto the Lord and without blame before him. Now, let me just ask you, we just said a minute ago, we're all sinners. So how many of us are without blame before him? None of us, okay? The word there translated without blame um, in some translations and, and a little bit more literally means without blemish or spotless. It is a phrase that would have been used um, back in the Old Testament to talk about a sacrifice that was to be brought to the Lord was to be what? Without blemish, Right? was to be spotless. And so um, it's speaking here about um, our position before the Lord. Uh, John MacArthur says it this way. Obviously, Paul is talking about our position before God here and not our practice. He says, we know that in our living, we are far from being without blemish. Amen. We're far from that. So it's not in practice. He's not saying so that we can reach a state of, of perfection before God. No, but that we can be without blemish before him. So how, do we, how are we without blemish before him? Friends, the key to that is back to that two-word phrase, we are in him, right? When we are in Christ. It's what I've called before the great switcheroo. It is simply God offers this to us that he, if we will put our faith and trust in him, he will take our sin and place that on Christ at the cross. So that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sin as if it was his own. He'll take our sin and put it on Christ and he'll take his righteousness and he'll cover us in that. And so that even though we are sinners, he doesn't see us that way. And we are now righteous. We are holy and without blame before him in love. So he has chosen us who have put our faith and trust in Christ to be holy and without blemish before him. We are uh, covered with the robe of righteousness before the Lord. And therefore, because of that, he can now accept us into his presence. Think of it like this. It's like, um, and this happens a lot in our world today, it's like you've been undisciplined with your credit card. I don't want to ask for a show of hands, but maybe 
uh, a lot of times throughout our life. Maybe that's come, come around, right? Man, I had a bill here and a bill here, and that credit card bill keeps getting up and up and up. And, and, and maybe you've run up a lot of debt. And maybe, just, just imagine that, that you ran up so much debt that you couldn't pay that. And so you have this huge debt that you owe. But you also have a rich uncle, or in this case, a rich father, right, who has a lot of money and has promised to cover your tab and to pay all of your debt. And so even though you are not debt-free and you have this great credit card debt, it is as if you are because you have this rich uncle that has said he would pay that for you. Friends, that's what the Father has done for us. God sent his son Jesus to earth to bless us. He sent, and part of that, the, the, that blessing is that he did what we could not do for ourselves. We've said this before. Phil, we've talked about this before. You can't separate Christmas from Easter, amen? You can't separate the other. God became a man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And he did that for a purpose, to live a sinless life so that he could then offer himself as the sacrifice for the sins of mankind. So God wants to bless us. That's why he sent Jesus. But he also, so that he sent Jesus to bless us so that Jesus could go to the cross and so that he could make us, those who put trust in him, holy and blameless or without blemish before him. Amen? Now, that's not the end of the story. Look at, look at number three. It leads us to the next wonderful truth that we see here in Ephesians chapter 1. God sent Jesus to earth so that he could bless us, so that Jesus could go to the cross and could make us holy and blameless, so that, so that he could adopt us into his family. God had a plan, amen? And this is such a wonderful truth, friends. Um, I want you to feel the warmth and the love that comes with this truth, that we should feel that, amen? Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. So, the preordained purpose of God was to adopt us into his family. Those who have believed and trusted in Christ as their Savior. God's plan all along was to adopt those who believe and trust in him into his family. Now, let me pause here for just a minute. Because sometimes people throw out the fact, and they, they use the term, well, pastor, isn't, aren't, isn't everybody a child of God? No. Everybody's not a child of God. Not every human being that's created, everybody is uh, created by God and formed by God in the womb, but that does not make us a child of God. In fact, the Bible, in certain places, refers to some as children of the devil. The Bible says that until we are born again, we are at enmity and and, and they're at hatred with God. We are rebellious against him. And so we are, are not physically automatically born into a family of God. Um, even though people use it that way, um, every human being on the face of the planet is not a child of God. 
Just as we are born into a family physically here on this earth, friends, as John chapter 3 says, we also have to be born into his family by the supernatural birth of his spirit. And so what we need to understand is the whole reason God had to send Jesus, it was part of his plan all along, right? Look at the last part of this verse, okay? It says in the very last phrase of verse 5, it says, according to the good pleasure of his will. What does that simply mean? It simply means this was his plan all along, amen? It was his plan all along to create the world. He created us as human beings, right? Yet we disobeyed him. We rebelled against him. We messed that up. But guess what? He drew us back to himself, even though many times we don't want to be drawn. He sent Jesus to come and to redeem us and to buy us back so that we could be adopted and become part of his family. This was the plan. It wasn't like he had a plan and we messed that up and so he had to alter his plan. And so, No, what the point of the verses here are is to say that God knew all of that was going to happen and he created and did all of that anyway, knowing that he would have to send his son to suffer and to die to redeem us back to himself and make us a part of his family. So that was part of the plan all along. Uh, now, if we understand that, that gives all new meaning back to verse 4 where it says this, that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Amen? So friends, when you feel like nobody loves you, when you feel like your, or maybe not just feel like, when your earthly family is maybe all messed up, when it seems like relationships are hard, even in your family, you can find solace because you have a heavenly father who loves you, who is there to adopt you or has already adopted you as his own. Ran across an interesting story this week that I believe, um, I believe illustrates the love and the links to which God goes. Um, it's a story told by the British radio host, Sam Darliston, about something that happened to him during the, during the lockdowns. He said one day uh, he came home from the grocery store to find a fuzzy little surprise in a bag of broccoli that he just purchased. He found a caterpillar in his broccoli. It makes me want to look twice before I take a bite. However, uh, whereas normally, you know, you would take the caterpillar and throw it out or kill it and throw it out. Instead of evicting his new furry friend, he decided to take care of it. It turned out that being an ad hoc caterpillar caretaker was just the hobby he needed to pass, uh, to pass time during the lockdown in his London apartment. He said, I did my research initially and discovered the exact type of caterpillar that I was dealing with. I then decided to build him a little home in my living room with all the broccoli he wanted. He then named his caterpillar Cedric and was planning on maintaining a habitat just for Cedric until another trip to the grocery store for more broccoli yielded more caterpillars. He said, the broccoli I got as a replacement contained five more caterpillars. 
So now I went from one caterpillar to six. He said, and then a third broccoli belonging to my roommate had another one. So one caterpillar quickly became seven caterpillars almost overnight. Over a series of tweets, he conveyed to his audience how each of the caterpillars, as they are supposed to, eventually became chrysalis and formed cocoons, only to eventually become butterflies and fly away. He then said, he said, I felt a tiny bit sad watching them spread their wings. It was as if I had adopted them as my own. That's not exactly how God adopts us. But it gives us the idea, friends, of just as similar to Sam Darliston began to take care of these caterpillars and adopt them as his own. Friends, when we come to Christ, God adopts us as his own. What a blessing that is. Amen? Um, We aren't just forgiven. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Okay? We often think about Jesus came to save us. He did. He came to forgive us. Absolutely. We aren't just forgiven. God could have stopped there, right? He could have forgiven us. We go on about our lives and our our future, right? He, He could have just pardoned us from our sin and set us free. And we'd been happy campers, right? But he didn't just stop there, friends. He made us a part of his family forever. We are adopted as his own and made co-heirs with Christ. He didn't just adopt us and call us second-class citizens. He makes us co-heirs with Christ. And so the blessings that we experience now and are going to experience for eternity more, friends, are all ours. J.I. Packer, in his monumental book, Knowing God, said it best when he taught that adoption, he says, is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Higher, he says, even than justification. He says it's one thing for God the Father to forgive sinners. It is entirely another to adopt them into his family. Yet that is exactly what the Bible teaches. That we're not merely forgiven. We are graciously invited into God's family as his children and as his own. Amen? So no matter what your background is, friends, no matter... If your earthly family is a blessing or a curse, no matter if you have a big family or, or no family, even if they're all kind of messed up, listen, even if you're the problem child, God invites you to be adopted into his big old crazy family to come together as, in, as one in Christ. Brings us to the last reason I want to share with you this morning as we kind of build on each other. God sent Jesus to earth to bless you so that, okay, so that Jesus could do what we couldn't do for ourselves, and therefore make us holy and righteous through his sacrifice on the cross for us so that he could adopt us into his family. And why did he do all of that? Well, verse six tells us that he did all of this so that he could display the glory of his grace. Grace Grace, marvelous grace, grace that exceeds all my sin. Um, Verse 6 puts it this way. Paul writes, to the praise of the glory of his grace, 
So let's pause there for just a minute. Um, it doesn't, you know, what Paul could have said is to the praise of his glory. And I believe he says that later on. And, and is it true? Absolutely. It's to the praise of his glory. But I want you to notice this is not what he says here. He says to the praise of the glory of his grace. God's grace is so far beyond our understanding. You know, in the world, somebody wrongs us, what do we want to do? We want to get them back, right? Or, or avoid them. That's not God. Even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Who is that's Christ? So we are accepted. We are chosen. How? By his grace. It's not based on our merit. It's not based on our works. It's based simply on his grace. You've heard the old acronym, God's riches at what? Christ's expense. And so we have all the wonderful grace of God, the love of God, all the blessings. We think back to verse one, right? We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Why? Because we deserve it. Because we're so great. Because we are so lovable. No, friends, because of God's great grace with which he chose to love us. He's chosen to love you and care about you. He's fond of you. So much so, friends, that he sent Jesus from heaven to die for you so that he could make you spotless and without blemish before him so that he could accept you and receive you into his presence and into his family. And he did all of this. Why? To display the magnificent glory of his grace. Friends, bringing sinners into his own family through what Jesus has done is a testament to God's grace. Amen? Um, I want to ask you just a couple quick questions. Uh, I was thinking about this. Why do art galleries exist? This is a rhetorical question. Why do art galleries exist? Um, you, some, so you may say, well, pastor, because, because people like to see beautiful stuff. <laughs> I've been to an art gallery. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, there, there are some beautiful, beautiful paintings and beautiful art. Um, some art galleries exist for people to make money, right? Um, but do they not exist to display the work of the artist? Why do, why do concerts exist? You say, well, pastor, because people love music and people love to dance and people love to uh, get excited and, and people, other people love to make money, right? Yeah, I know all that's part of it and stuff, but why do concerts exist? Do they not exist? <laughs> Think about a kid's concert, okay? Do they not exist? And our kids are, most of our kids are in play practice. Do they not exist to display the excellence or sometimes the lack thereof of the musician, <laughs> Right? Hey, I've been there. Right? I was a kid one time. Friends, what the Father has done in sending Christ to earth 
to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to pay for our sins so that he could make us spotless before him, so that he could accept us into his family. What he has done in all of that, friends, is simply to display the glory of his grace like an Art gallery displays the work of an artist, the plan of salvation, the, 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 the plan, the dispensation, if you will, of God's uh, plan of salvation is to display the glory of his grace. Friends, that's praiseworthy. Amen? Amen. I want to close by telling you the story of a young lady uh, who's by the name of Cheyenne. Cheyenne was a 16-year-old teenage girl who had been in the foster system, uh, foster care system in Canada for most of her life. Unfortunately, um, Cheyenne had never had anyone who wanted to adopt her. At age 16, the child welfare agency had told her that finding a foster home would be unlikely because in the province of Ontario, Around 1,000 teenagers age out of the foster care system every year without being placed in a foster family. And sure enough, she got to adult age without being adopted. However, four years later at age 20, Cheyenne beat the odds when she was adopted by a lady who had been serving as her mentor for several years. Her name was Shannon Colkeen. For years, Shannon and Cheyenne had kept in touch after the mentoring and even celebrated several milestones together, including Cheyenne's high school graduation and her first powwow honoring her Ojibwe heritage. But it wasn't until Shannon applied to become a first-time foster parent that she began to wonder about formalizing their relationship. One of the questions that she was asked was if she had any other children. When she was asked that, she realized, she said, I think maybe I actually do. Cheyenne has since legally uh, added Shannon's last name, Colkeen, to hers, and now has court documents to prove that they are now legally related, which was the culmination of a two-year process which started when Shannon took Cheyenne on a long drive to ask Cheyenne if she'd like to be adopted. Shannon said, I didn't want to put any pressure on her, but in the end, I sort of freaked her out because we were driving and I just kept on driving further and further because I couldn't spit it out. She said, it was like proposing, but for parenthood. (laughs) But for Cheyenne, she said it was a yes right off the bat. She's taken comfort from Shannon's consistent presence in her life. She said, someone has faith in me to do the right thing and will also still be there even if I don't. It's not like I'm doing anything out of fear of losing her. Shannon's motivation was simple, she said. She said, I don't think it's ever too late to make someone family. Friends, the wonderful news that we learn here in Ephesians chapter 1 is that God sent his son Jesus so that he could bless you. So that he could do what you could not do for yourself and pay the penalty for your sin so that he could then make you righteous before God so that the Father could adopt you into his own family and make you his own. 
Friends, would you trust him? Would you trust that he's done that for you? The offer of salvation is there. Uh, It doesn't happen automatically. We have to receive Christ into our lives and say, I believe, God, that you've done that for me. That what we're going to celebrate here in a couple weeks isn't just a wonderful little story that was made up, but it was the actual truth that your son, the second person of the Trinity, stepped out of heaven and came to earth as a baby to become a human being so that he could live a sinless life, so that he could then offer himself up as a sacrifice for my sins, that I might have my sins covered and be righteous in your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. Friends, some of you here today, maybe watching online, have never experienced that adoption into God's family. God did all that so that you could be part of his family. All you got to do is say, yes, I want that. The choice is yours. Some of you are here today, and you are also, uh, maybe you've already made that decision. You know you're adopted into his family. You've trusted Christ. You are part of his family. Yet, you are not living like you are. Friends, can I just encourage you, um, we, and I'm very serious when I say this, I know some of you um, have many blessings in your own family, and some of you that's really a struggle. You can continue to pray for that, continue to pray for restorative relationships and all of that, and I know there's a sense of pining for what could be. Ask God to do a work there, but friends, don't. Don't forsake what God has given you in his family. He's given you everything that you have longed for all along. Find joy in that. Amen? Find comfort in that. Listen, God's family extends beyond these four walls. I know that. But this is, Southside is God's local family here. Let's be family for each other. Amen? And I know sometimes family don't get along like they should, but let's make sure each one of everybody in our family knows that we love them and care about them and that we're here for them. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your great plan. Lord, I thank you that even though we tried to mess up that plan, We didn't know that your plan even made provision for that. And so, Lord, we're grateful that you have made a way for us to be reconciled to yourself and be brought into your family. Lord, I pray for those who are here, those who are watching online, who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, who have not been born again into your family, that today they would respond in faith to your offer of salvation, to your call to be a part of of your family. And Lord, I pray that they would surrender their heart and their life to you today. Lord, for those who already have, Lord, um, Lord, help us 
Um, not to be pining for something that you've already given us, Lord, but help us to be filled with, with all the many blessings, Lord, that you have poured out into our lives. And give us the joy, the peace, the love, everything, Lord, that, 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 uh, that you've already infused us with, Lord. Help us to rest in those things, Lord Jesus, and to allow those things to, uh, to, to, come, to shine, shine through and show through, Lord, as we let you uh, work through us. It's in your holy, precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.